Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. Hi there everyone, I'm Simon of Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Scott, who has just told me he's uh, in Southern Texas, I think you said. Yeah, South Texas. And South Texas. And I'd love to have you just tell the listeners a little bit about you, Scott. Give us a little bit of a taster of who you are, what you do and what the listeners need to know about you. Absolutely, Simon. I'd be honored to. Uh, my name is Scott Mater. Uh, I'm currently a full-time coach. I consider myself a business coach. My secret name for what I do, though, is I'm a stewardship coach. Okay. Uh, I don't market it as that because everyone else goes, what the heck is that? Uh, but uh, it, it is my business name is Inspired Stewardship. Stewardship is really what I focus on, which in a one-line sentence is I help Christian couples master their time, their talent, and their treasure so that they can live out their calling. Fabulous. Fabulous. And that's a really succinct way of putting that across. And if the listeners take one thing away from today's podcast, if they can explain what they're doing one line as you've just done, then the magic's right there. So uh, I well, won't the say, cool thing about a one-liner... Yep. Just to add, add to that. Um, and, and you're right. If you can't say it in one sentence, I think you don't know what you're doing yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you haven't really fairly f- finished it. But the cool thing about it is it instantaneously lets people know, do I want to continue this conversation or do I want to move on? Yeah. And yeah. honestly, both of those responses are good, <laughs> you know, because either we're not wasting time. Or we continue the conversation, Uh, at least when it comes to business. You know, sometimes you want to chit chat with people just to chit chat. But when it comes to business, you know, very clearly, do I want to keep this conversation going or do I want to move on? Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right there with business. But also, I think uh, for me personally, you know, I've got into general conversations with people. And if I could have been helped to make that kind of decision of where this conversation is going to go, whether it's a Mm -hmm. a good use of my time, their time, you know, we're going to do this short, long, that, that would have been so valuable if, if we'd have just got that out of the way at the beginning of the conversation. Definitely. Well, and it helps you know what to listen for. Um, Mm. You know, when you're having a conversation with someone and and here's what I mean, I'll I'll tell a little story. So I was in a security airport security line in Denver, Colorado, which if anyone's ever flown through Denver, Colorado, they automatically are already going, okay, you were in a long line because they're always long. (laughs) Um, That's just the fact of life. And I started a conversation with the gentleman in front of me. And of course, what's the first thing you do when you're talking to a stranger? First or second question, what's your name and what do you do, right? Yep. And yep. I answered with the sentence I just used. I help, I help Christian couples master their time, their talent, their treasure, so they can live out their calling. And he goes, wait, tell me more about that. Yeah. We started talking. We had about a 20-minute conversation going through the line. By the end of it, he's giving me his card, and I'm committing to calling him when I get home. I'm giving him his my card. We're going to finish this conversation when we get home before I got off the plane. Cause his flight was shorter than mine. He booked a client call, booked a, an assessment call. Yeah. We had the assessment call the next morning by that afternoon. He'd hired me. Yeah. 
Wow. Why? Because in one sentence, he heard enough that he went, oh, wait, I got to keep talking to this guy. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a now by the same token, I've said that sentence to people before and had them go. Yep. That's nice, nice conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's like, and that's fine, too, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's just not going to go anywhere. And yeah, that's OK. I, I, and I was listening to a, a video by Dean Graziozzi, uh just a, a few weeks ago, and it was a, a replay of a video that I wanted to watch. And he talked about having the hook. And mm -hmm. it is, you know, for some people, you get them on the hook, don't you? For some people, it's the right bait at the right time. It's what they need and they know they need it and they get on the hook. For those right. that don't, that aren't interested in what you've said, then let them just swim on by. It, it just yeah, means I'm right. not the right coach for them. And that's yeah. okay. It doesn't mean they don't need help. It doesn't mean there's not a great coach out there for them. It just means it's not me, <laughs> you right. know, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have to work with everybody. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about the coffee that you've been drinking today. I know you're uh, not quite as far through the day as, as I am, and I'm certainly on the last one of the day because if I drink any more, I won't get to sleep tonight. But tell us a little bit about the coffee that you've drunk today and, and why. Why that particular coffee? So I like uh, pretty much any coffee that is a darker roast. Um, so okay. I actually have, my wife bought me at part for Christmas, a dark roast bean that I've been grinding. Uh, and I will be honest, I don't remember the brand name because honestly, mm. it's not that important, but it's, it's a, a mix, a, a, a dark mix. And I've been grinding my own beans and brewing that the last several mornings. Yep. And it's very good. It's been fantastic. I think the act of grinding it fresh uh, has really helped. So I switched over from buying the store-bought, you know, stuff or Keurig cups or whatever it is yeah. where it's been pre-done and, and grinding them. Uh, you know, I'll grind the coffee for the week and then I, I use that coffee for the week. And I, I think that's really helped with the, the flavor of it always been a big coffee drinker. Unfortunately, I now have insomnia as I've gotten a little older. And so I have to stop my coffee drinking pretty early in the day. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to drink coffee until bedtime, but that's not true anymore. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't do that. And uh, certainly by about 4, 4 p.m. normally is my last coffee. It's yeah. interesting what you said there about grinding your beans, because I think, you know, I used to go into, you know, I'm, I'm a sort of Starbucks fan, whether people hate it or like it. Yeah, they hear me say that very often. But I used to go in there and ask them to grind the beans. Mm -hmm. uh, but you lose the smell in the in the home, and mm. the, the 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 act of grinding the bees really creates an aroma in the kitchen as as well. It's not just the taste; it's that smell, mm -hmm. isn't it? And when they do it for you, you know they're getting the the benefit of that, not me. Uh, right. Unfortunately, most of what I drink now is in a out of a pod or something like that, so you lose that a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's interesting you say that and. Uh, I'd be interested to know from the listeners, you know, do you grind your own beans? You know, what are the thoughts on the aroma, the smell as well? What's, what's your favorite coffee then, Scott? Yeah, that's what you've got. Is, is there any particular favorite and any particular way that you like to drink your coffee? So if I go to someplace like a Starbucks, uh, I like a caramel macchiato. Um, okay. Just I like that that caramel flavor. <sighs> yeah, uh, I, I, I will admit to being that. But I'm really I'm not a coffee uh, snob, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong. If somebody is, please yep. mis don't misunderstand. But it's I'm one of those folks that literally, if it's a dark roast, I'll drink it. I mean, I, yep. I don't really care uh, because I again, I would see I was a school teacher for 16 years, and then I was in corporate work for 11, where I used to fly all over the country and meet with clients and do all of that stuff. So. Mm -hmm 
in education, it's sort of like nursing and military and police. Coffee is like just you drink coffee. Yeah. However, it's usually not good coffee. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just yeah, coffee. Yep. <laughs> you know? um, and so I got really used to just, you know, if it's in the pot and it will pour, if it's not yet congealed, um, then I'll drink it, you know, uh, it, 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 as long as it'll pour into the cup. So I'm not really particular, uh, other than I do like the darker roast. I, I don't like, in part, I don't like the bright, the light roast, like the breakfast blends and things, because yeah. those actually have more caffeine. And again, back to the insomnia yeah, yeah. conversation, I can drink more of the dark roast and not yeah. have it keep me buzzing quite as long. Yeah. And I think you're right about the, the, the coffee sort of snobbery and, you know, likewise, I drink coffee because I like it, not mm -hmm. because of the brand or the name or whether it's one that's trending at the moment. I'll probably give it a try because it's popular uh, right. or it's been recommended. But at the end of the day, why would I drink anything? It's like wine. You know? Um, you know, I've had some very expensive bottles of wine and I've had some very cheap bottles of wine. And to be honest, it's the ones that I like that I prefer. And they're the ones that I buy again. Um, right. And it's the same with coffee, isn't it? You know, we, yeah, we we should drink. I think that's come out of this podcast as I've talked to people from around the world. Everybody drinks coffee based upon what they enjoy and what they like. Uh, some people and what it means to them. You know, I'm mm -hmm. a big gingerbread latte fan at Christmas. But if I want something that's a little bit lighter, a little bit easier to drink, then I go, like you, for the caramel macchiato, I go for that uh, as well because it's just, an easy drink to drink and if i want volume and i want something that's you know not going to take the back of my throat out when i'm talking for the next hour then, <laughs> right. then that's that's a good suva isn't it well and so the, one of the ones i had for christmas uh last year i think was and again it was a coffee bean that i had to grind but it was yeah. a red velvet cake mix which I had never had. Now I'm a huge red velvet cake fan. I'm not, I'm not really big on super sweet stuff. Usually yeah. caramel macchiato being a bit of the exception to that rule. Um, but I, but I do like red velvet cake. And so somebody bought me that as a gift and wow. I actually, I really liked it. It ended up, it had a really good flavor. Cause again, it wasn't that overpowering sweet, but it had a little bit of the cocoa flavor to yeah. it. Um, yeah. And so that was, that one was really good. I haven't been able to find it since, but, um, yeah. but somebody one of those seasonal of things. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure yeah. it was. Uh, and yeah. I'm not, I'm not even sure where they found it or where they bought it or no. anything else, but it was one of those. Ah, okay. I'll try that. Well, when you give your details out later on, if any of the listeners know where to get a blend of coffee with red velvet cake, then I'm sure they'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, shoot me an email and I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll order some. Yeah, Mo moving on to the to the business side of, of this podcast, what for you, Scott, has been the, the either the latest or most significant, or it could be both, thing that you have worked on or fixed in your own business. And I'm, I'm also happy because of the, the, the coaching that you do and particularly the stewardship, share something perhaps about, you know, something you've helped a client with or helped someone else with um, after this, but what, what's been something that you personally have worked on in your own business? So for me, this last year, especially, I was focused on growing some new streams of income so I was doing quite well with one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I was also diversifying and doing some other things. And that for me was a fix because okay. the cool thing about being a coach is yes, I can work with clients all over the world. 
uh, I can do this virtual now, you know, the, the, the move to doing things online, I was already there. So, yeah. you know, it didn't, that didn't really affect me as much as it did so many people this year, but I was able to use that already knowing how to do this to leverage that into doing some coach training, helping other people that needed to move online, okay. you know, working with other clients on how to do this, how to do business in a virtual environment and do it well. Uh, to grow some additional income sources. And I wanted to do that going into the year. I just didn't realize how I was going to do it. it you know, the, the, my planned method of doing it was to actually go do in-person speaking events. Well, that yep. didn't happen, no, <laughs> you no, know? No. but pivot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I was able to do virtual speaking and some virtual training and kind of diversify some of the things that I, that I do outside of just the stewardship and working with other coaches and, and other, other businesses in that way. Great. So for you, what was it like before, you know, if you were just doing one-to-one -one coaching, just give us a flavor of what that was like for you. I mean, I've got my own experience of what I was like in one-to-one -one coaching before, and certainly it's very different to what it is now, but what was it like for you before? So I was already virtual, like I said. So what a client would come to me either from a referral partner or from a, you know, another previous client would refer people to me or they'd find me online, uh, you know, on my website or, or something like that. Usually they'll reach out. We set up a consultation call, a short 30 minute call, get to know me, get to know yeah. them, find out what their problem is, ask questions, all of that. Presuming that at the end of that, um, now I don't do a hard close. So I'm not one of these coaches that at the end of the call is like, you know, Simon, you've got to make a decision right now. You know, are you in or are you out? You know, there, that yeah. is a coaching methodology, but I, I don't believe in yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's um, not mine either. So that's okay. <laughs> I do a I do a 24 hour soft close. So I just at the end, you know, hey, I want you to think about it. I want you to pray on it. I want you to make sure this is a good decision and we're a good fit. Yeah. Let me know by this time tomorrow you know, yeah. and Great. clients come back to me. Uh, they say, let's move forward. We start with a foundational coaching program that runs about three months. And the reason why is I've found, I used to do one-off sessions and all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. I found they don't stick um, for real change because the real truth is if you're working on your money, if you're working on your time, you're working on yourself. Yeah. That's really what you're working on. Um, yeah. if you, if you have a problem with time management, I hate that term. If you yeah. have a problem getting things done, if you have a problem getting the right things done, that's actually usually the bigger problem. Uh, most of us get a lot done. We just don't necessarily get the right stuff done. Yeah. Or if you have a problem figuring out what's happening with your money, you know, let me give you a clue. You're the problem and you're the solution, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so we're working on behavior. We're working on mindset and that just takes a while. You don't yeah. do that in one, two hour call. Yeah. Uh, so we run a three, three month foundational program where we meet pretty intensively the first month. And then we kind of go to an every other week thing at the end of that. Uh, most of my clients stay on for ongoing coaching in something that's like a once a month call. So my longest right. client I've been with is about seven years. Um, oh, my well shortest, you know, my average client is at least a year. So most yeah. of us work together and that's not because they didn't do anything right or they screwed up or they failed. It's just yeah. because that accountability and that ongoing yeah. check ins And they've really obviously helps. seen the value in that, aren't they as well? Right. Yeah. There's yeah. value to it. Yeah. And I know, you know, I've, I've been at the receiving end of coaching. I mean, I've still got a couple of coaches now that I work with, but being at the receiving end of coaching in business as I was, you know, I realized that probably the industry standards, certainly here in the UK, 
And I know for coaches globally that I work with now, it tends to be about six months mm-hmm. uh, for client retention. And yeah, you know, for, for 12 months, great. You know, for seven years. Yeah, absolutely. I think my, this July, I will have had one client for 12 years. Yeah. Uh, and they that's pay every awesome. single month and it's because they see the value in, in what we right. do isn't it so that's really important mm-hmm. so if that's what it was like before what's it been like after with this leverage and with this diversity what what's it been like for you after and then we'll talk a little bit about some things that perhaps you've shifted for some for some clients in these recent times sure so part of it was you know, that's working with the client side. And what I've done is back up and also work on the coach side. Uh, I'm a firm believer in coaches need coaches. Yep. And I think a lot of, co- you know, the average coach I've been told makes something like $30,000 a year. Um, mm-hmm. The average coach is, you know, always struggling. You talk to any coach, what's your biggest problem? Getting clients, you know, yep. uh, always, right? There's yep. always these struggles that we have. And I think a lot of them come from not really, we did it earlier, you know, can you succinctly say what you do in yeah. one sentence to somebody? Do you really understand what you do? <laughs> you know, yeah. Do you have a program? Do you have, how can you articulate it? And, and getting to understand that. And then there's also tools and techniques and things like that. But again, just like personal coaching, there's a lot of mindsets. So I've set up uh, some programs where I'm working with other coaches and they're more group sessions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a, we have a training program specific to financial coaches. I'm the chief instructor for it through a, a group called coach connections, where we Great. train folks that are interested in becoming financial coaches specifically. It's one yeah. branch of what I do. Um, I've worked with some coaches the same way on training them how to do more productivity coaching or business coaching as well. And those tend to be run through more group group programs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just because there's a lot of value in that kind of scenario to not just the one-on-one, but hearing from other people, hearing what problems other people are having and what solutions they're generating. It's yeah. more of a mastermind kind of program yeah. than it is a coaching, uh, direct coaching program. Yeah. And, and I find, you know, I, I uh, one of the coaches I've worked with for a long while, and he's been my marketing coach, I suppose you'd call him for some time, is a guy called Tacky Moore. And he got mm-hmm. me into group and doing group coaching with businesses, but also coaching. I think coaches generally, if I any coaches listening to this, um, you know, we thrive in group programs because, you know, we don't have the same competition issues that, right. you know, you might having a group of accountants who see everybody else in the group as their competitor. Um, but we certainly, I think, respect accountability and privacy and things like that quite well, but businesses do too as well. Um, but I think for those listeners who um, are businesses and looking for a coach, um, it's really a good question to ask your coach that you might be talking to at any point now in the future. Who coaches them? And I who think you're absolutely you? right, Scott. Yeah. You know, I realized when I became a coach, you know, I bumbled and fumbled along for about six months. And I thought, do you know what? I can't do this on my own. And, and I've had you know, the coach ever since. And and I think it's one of the misunderstandings a lot of times with coaching. People think, you know, you hire a coach because they know it all and they solve all your problems. It's like, no, no, that's not actually really what the process is usually. Um, And it's not that I don't ever have tools or suggestions or ideas or help brainstorm or whatever. Yes, I do a lot of that. But it's also about really the coaches having someone there to help hold you accountable and to help draw out of you 
what you need to have drawn out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a, a, a common misunderstanding. There is a difference between consulting and mentorship and coaching. You know, they're totally. not exactly the same process. Totally. Yeah. Most of us as coaches, you know, there's times in a coaching relationship where I'm going to put on my consultant hat and be a little bit yeah. more of a consultant. And then there's other times where I'm putting on my pure coaching hat and I'm really focused on hundred percent pure coaching. Correct. A lot of stuff in between the two, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but yet I think we lose sight of that. And that's one of the, again, you know, even a mastermind, if, if anyone's been in a mastermind, a, a mastermind is a form of a coaching relationship. It's just, again, it's a group Definitely. type thing. Definitely. Uh, so you can find different ways of doing it that are beneficial to you. It doesn't always have to look the same, no. but yeah, I agree. I, I, I always ask coaches, who's your coach yeah, um, yeah. or who are you getting coaching from? How are you getting coaching? And if their answer is I'm not, I'm not going to say don't work with them, but to me, that's a, that's a danger sign. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, and uh, I usually answer I get, and I get this a lot from businesses as well, where they, they say, Oh, well, yeah, I've, I've got a friend or I've got a family member who holds me accountable. They're sort of my peer to peer coach. Mm -hmm. um, and that always makes me sort of cringe slightly as, as well. <laughs> so um, I'm interested in the, the stewardship um and and obviously the christian stu stewardship that you talked about and the, the soft close i think very much i see with coaches is very much coaches who have uh, a faith tend to be a lot less um how can i put it i don't want to say aggressive but uh, you know that probably is the word i want to use in the closing assertive but, but yeah assertive. Assertive. assertive yeah yeah assertive um but also, I, I find it more effective. You know, it's it's yeah. You know, those long-standing relationships start at that close, don't they? As far as I'm concerned, you know, the I, I think that, that's one of the reasons that you have longer-term clients. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so have you got anything that you particularly have seen as a common thread, or in anything that you think the listeners would take advantage from in sharing what you've helped a client work with, or? Uh, a particular common theme that you've seen? Sure. So I, I'll give you kind of, let me give you a description of the problem and then some, some tools mm. or techniques or some tips that folks yeah, can use good. to kind of help. So usually when folks come to me, it's one of two problems. It's at one end, let's talk with the money end, right? I, I coached mainly stewardship, time, talent, and treasures. So treasures, money. Yep. More often than not, it can be expressed in one sentence. I make way too much money to feel this broke. That's great. Yep. You know, I, I, I know I do. It, it's always a good income. No, no one ever tells you right out of the gate how much they make. They'll just say, I make good money. Yep. Okay, great. What's good money mean? Because good money could mean anything. It depends on you know who you exactly. are, where you live, right? Yeah. You know, good money in San Francisco is different than good money in London. And it's different yep. than good money in Dallas. You know, it's yep. just, just going to be different. So, I, I, you know, what does that mean? Well, the emotion is, I know I've got money coming in and I know I've got money going out, but I don't ever feel like I have enough money to do the things that I really wish I could do. Mm. They, a lot of times they're in golden handcuffs. They feel like they're trapped in a corporate job. They feel like they can't make a transition. They want to do something different, but they can't do it because they can't afford it. Yeah. What we do is figure out what's really going on. Um, what is the actual hurdle and problem? So here's the trick, the tip. Hmm. What you actually have to do is two things. One is budget and the other is track. We define. Yeah. 
budget is you actually have to make a plan before the month begins. Hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. you actually have to write it down. You don't just have it in your head. The number of people that I tell, oh yeah, I do a budget. I just kind of, you know, hold it in my head. Yeah. No, you can't. Okay. Yeah. No, you don't write it down. You know, now I've got a spreadsheet tool. I'll give you folks access to it at the end. You know, you, this is not hard. It's sixth grade math. You can do yeah. this. Yeah. The, the second half is track, right? Which is, okay, great. Now that I'm spending money, let's make sure I'm in alignment with my plan. And you need to check in with that plan at least once a week yep. during the month and then review and reflect and revise, which means, am I on track? Review, yeah. reflect. I'm not on track or I am on track and what should I do about it? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then revise is if you need to change something, change it. Is it changing the budget because you just dramatically underestimated? You have a family of seven and you put $250 for groceries. That's just not realistic, you know, never no, no. going to happen. Or is it that, no, we actually said we were only going to go out to eat twice and it's the second week of the month and we've already gone out to eat six times. Yeah, I just need to stop going out to eat. You know, yeah, I need yeah. to change my behavior. But yeah. that process is really the first step. It's by no means the last step. It's yeah. not even the most important step, really. But it is one you can do on your own. Yeah, it's a good place uh, to start. Go yeah, it, it's at least the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Um, as a at, with time and with productivity, typically it's I get a lot done, but I get to the end of the day and I haven't done the things that I actually needed to do. You know, I, I said it earlier. It's the are you getting things done or are you getting the right things done? Those yeah. are two very different se yeah. sentences, right? Yeah. Two very different emotions. And don't get me wrong. We all have a day. I don't care how good you are with productivity. I don't care how wonderful you do it. You all have days where at the end of the day, it's like, I, this was just, no, <laughs> you know, <Yep. laughs> today was a bad day. But yep. I'm talking about, is that your regular feeling? Is that right. the norm as opposed to the exception? Yeah. And again, one of the first things you can do is a time audit, which is, as simply put, uh, you can do it in what I call the 15 minute miracle or the 30 minute miracle which is sit down, take a piece of paper, put every 30 minutes on the piece of paper from when you get up to when you go to bed, set an alarm on your watch. If you need to make it a silent one that just vibrates so that nobody yeah. else is disturbed. And every time that that alarm on your phone or on your watch or whatever vibrates, take a few seconds and jot down what have you been doing the last half hour? What have you been doing the last 15 yeah. minutes? Yeah. You don't have to write a 12 paragraph essay. This is not about capturing every detail. It's just kind of the broad strokes, right? Yeah. I checked Facebook, I was on Twitter and I answered emails. Great, yeah. that's enough. Yeah. Do that for a week. And then again, review, reflect, revise, which means yeah. go back down and look at it again and figure out where are you actually spending your time? You will be shocked at how much time you actually have that you're not using to do the stuff that is most important to you. Correct. Um, and now you can start making some changes. Yeah. And I think for listeners, you know, you've said something very important there about that review process. You know, I, I was talking to somebody probably two, two and a half years ago, and we got into a conversation about time audits. And they said, oh, I've done lots and lots of time audits before. I said, great. Well, what did they show you? What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what did you learn from them? Well, I, I did the audits. So what did you do with them? Well, I did the audits and I put them in a file and uh, that was it. And, mm -hmm. and they never took the time. This, this one particular, They never actually looked at it. 
Yeah. No, but, and they never turned out to be a client. They were just a prospect. But you know, you realize that these people never actually wanted to change. They never wanted to do anything different. They were hoping that somebody was going to come along with a magic wand and wish them some kind of success. Um, but yeah, they they just took it and never reviewed it. So I think it's really important that yeah. when people do these things, like with a budget and with the tracking, that they review it, isn't it? You know, it's absolutely you, essential. You've got to review, reflect, and revise. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I the big framework to me is for anything that you're doing as a person is, you know, plan, execute, review, reflect, revise, (laughs) you know, Um, and then do it again and then plan, execute, you know, and do it again. Let's face it. If you really committed to that and rinsed and repeated that simple process for the rest of your life, you have to get better. There's no possible way that you don't improve. Okay. If you truly commit to that and do that one thing in one area of your life, that area of your life has to get a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. And even though the, the world might throw us some knocks and throw a few curveballs in the way, you know, that review reflect revise copes with that, you know, it might hold you back. It might restrict the growth for a certain period, but you will always push on through that. Won't you? That's, that's the thing. Well, and that's the thing is, are you trying to make massive change or are you trying to change? Mm. And, and there's a huge difference. I actually think it's one of the holdups that a lot of folks have is, you know, I'm looking for the one app or tool that's going to fix everything. Yep. It doesn't exist. <laughs> you uh, know? No. It, 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 I don't care what the marketing tells you. It doesn't exist. Yep. Um, instead, look for, can I make 1% improvement? Yeah. You know, can I make 1% yeah. improvement? If you do that long enough, you'd be amazed at how much progress you'll make. Yeah. Well, I, I can assure you, I some years ago, I purchased an abs machine that sits in my bedroom and it promised me that I would have washboard abs in seven days. And it does not work. It sits there. It looks at me every morning when I get out of bed. When I take my clothes off it and in the evening when I put my clothes back on it, because it's a good it's place a great to hang clothes your clothes. Rack. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never had the washboard abs, definitely not. So it, it, it's, it it's funny, works. you actually have to get on the machine and use it. it yeah, it's, it's an yeah, amazing it's thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then, review, then review if it's working. You know, if, I, if I'm not getting any abs, what do I need to do differently? What do I need to uh, change? And well, and maybe difference? that's one of those where, okay, great. Admit that you're not going to do it on your own and you need to actually go to a gym and hire a, a coach at the gym. Yeah. You know, we call them physical trainers, but that's what they are yeah. um, to hold you accountable and kick your rear end a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, and again, that doesn't mean everyone has to do that, <laughs> you know, but yeah. you get to decide for you based on that review and reflect. But if you don't, then what you do is you keep doing what you've been doing and expect to get a different result. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. No. So thinking about the, the afters of, of what we've just talked through there, what have you found that people have really seen the benefit of um, you know, working through some of the things that we've just mentioned there? Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give you a client example. Um, so I'm working with a, a younger couple. I, I call them a young couple. They're in their thirties, you know, th- yep. that's younger than me. Um, yep. You know, they're, they're, they're not kids. I, I, they've graduated from what I would call kids, but they're, you know, they're still yep. a younger couple. And when we came in, uh, she's two income family. He runs his own business. She's a nurse. Basically she was exhausted because she was working every extra shift she could because they needed money coming in because it was kind of one of those, I mean, they've got, you know, multiple kids, 
yep. business, work, a lot of moving parts, right? Yeah. Complicated life. And it was constantly feeling like, you know, we're just kind of running from, you know, they were never really, you know, they weren't like having creditors call them or, you know, they weren't even in a huge amount of debt. They had some car debt and they had some credit card debt. And of course they had yeah. their mortgage and, but it was, it, it wasn't like $250,000 or something. It was, yeah. you know, $30,000, $40,000 in debt, very yeah. typical kind of situation, but they just never felt like they could get ahead. It was like, we'd start to pay it. They'd pay down the debt, almost get debt free. And then boom, there's an emergency and right yeah. back into it again. So they came to me with the, basically they're again, that emotion of we made too much money. We're working too hard to have this keep going. Yeah. And we both worked on both sides. We worked on the personal side and we worked on his business because one of the problems was he wasn't able to commit a consistent income from the business to the household you know, it was one of these things where some months he'd pay himself and other months he wouldn't and this kind of thing. Yeah. And we started restructuring how he was doing business, got that to where he put himself on a salary, uh, started right. paying himself a regular income. And like I told him, it doesn't even matter if it's less, it's consistent. <laughs> you know, yeah, you yeah. can plan it's on it. You know? It's essential, uh, isn't it? Yeah. You can, you can plan on it. You can make plans around it. And of course that took some time. That took about a year. And on the personal side, we started figuring out, okay, great. Instead of making all this extra money and then it just kind of dribbles and drabs away, let's get alignment. What's important to you? You know, what, if you could only do one thing with your money, what would that be? Mm. Okay. Now, if you could only do two things with your money, what would that be? And we yeah. literally just started working through, well, you know, obviously feed Perfect. my family and my kids is high on yeah. the line. Great. Okay. Keep my house. That's high on the line. Okay, great. Yeah. So let's figure it out. And all of a sudden we put a plan to the extra money she was making. Well, they're now, we've been working together almost two years and, you know, they're completely debt-free. They just bought a new van wow. for cash. Yeah. Um, they're on track. They were, their original plan was to pay off the house by their 40. By the time they're 40, they're now on track to pay off their house by the time they're 35. Wow. Um, you know, pay off their house early. They have less than 90,000 left on their house. They've started investing. His yeah. business has grown. She's no longer working every extra shift under the sun. Good. You know, it, it, so it's not really about money and time. It's about let's realign your life with what's really important to you. Spend the extra effort wisely instead of just wasting it away you'd be yeah. amazed at how much progress people can make. Um, yeah. And, and it is, you know, for, for, you know, for, for Christians and, and people of faith, you know, it is about that stewardship, isn't it? You know, we're very privileged to be um, giving and provided for as we are. And, you know, we have a duty of being good stewards of mm -hmm. what we have and you know, how much, better place would the planet be if we understood the resources that we have and how we should be good stewards of those you know we mm -hmm. we've got no children at home but we've got lots of animals and very often in our prayers you know we're very thankful that we have been given the opportunity to be good stewards of, mm -hmm. of the animals that we look after most of them are rescue animals you know animals that you know we've taken off yeah um and you know it's, it's been the good stewards whenever we can isn't it so yeah well, sounds great and, and to, to layer that on top, you know, throughout this, the real, 
you know, one of the things that they were struggling with is they, they constantly were feeling like, you know, we can't give the way we want to, we can't tie the way we want to, mm. um, you know, and we talked about that and guess what? They started tithing even before they were wanting to, you know, even before yeah. they were ready. Um, <laughs> yep. They're like, oh, we can't afford this, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, yeah. And, and guess what? They started to turn around. Um, yeah. it, it's, and it's not a magic wand. Don't misunderstand me. The it's, it's God is not a cosmic bending machine where we, you know, pray and put mm -hmm. a quarter in and we get out what we want. That's not how that works. Yeah. It's about an attitudinal shift. It was about yeah. the idea of, wait a minute, we're going to recognize the fact that we're blessed yeah. and we're going to acknowledge that blessing in a tangible way <laughs> with yeah, an yeah. action, you yeah. know, because it's not just enough to say it. You got to actually yeah, yeah. show it. Yeah. And as they begin to believe that on the inside, those blessings grow. Yeah. You know, and it's not just money um, and, and it's not, you know, magic it's, but things started to show up because you've reprogrammed your brain to look for those opportunities. You know, yeah. if you, if you trade, if you train yourself to look for good stuff, you see good stuff. Yeah. You train yourself yeah. to look for bad stuff. You see bad stuff. And the way and we the, work. <laughs> it is. And the brain works exactly the same way. You know, you hear people talk about, you know, the particular activating system, system isn't it? You know, we, you go out, you want an orange car because you think nobody else has got one. And as soon as you drive off the forecourt, everybody's got an orange car. Mm -hmm. so, so if if you could give the, the listeners today, Scott, and I think you know, there's some very valuable things that um, that you've said here about, you know, saying it in one sentence, that leverage of diversity. And yeah, I love the three, three words there. And listeners, you should definitely take these and make it a mantra. In fact, in my journal today, it's, it, it actually challenged me this week to have a, a mantra that will help you get through the week. And I think the mantra for me is going to be in my journal this week is review, reflect, revise. That's, <laughs> that's the mantra right there. Um, but if you could give the listeners something that they can take away, that they can act upon and do something uh, with something, what would that be? What would be a good lesson or a good tip that you could share with the listeners today, Scott? I think... Again, and we're going to go back to a mindset thing. The real truth is, and I don't care where you are in the world, and I don't care how good or bad your situation is, that at the end of the day, you have to take ownership for you. Hmm. you. You have to change your life. Now, that doesn't mean you don't get help. <laughs> you know, that yeah, doesn't yeah. mean you don't work with other people. I agree that with that. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean just suck it up and power through because that doesn't work yeah. either. You know, this yeah. isn't about willpower or effort or lack of it, but it is about ownership. It is about, so I'll give you an example. Here's a language change. How many of you have ever said, I had to fill in the blank? Yeah. You know, I had to buy a new car because my car broke. I had to take that new job. I had to whatever, right? I had to, right? Anything. Yeah. We use that word all the time. Yeah. Change the word had to to chose to. Mm -hmm. Eliminate I had to from your vocab. I chose to. Yeah. Because okay. here's the truth. Even if someone walks up to you tomorrow and puts a gun to your head, and says, if you don't buy a new car, I'm shooting you in the head. You still have a choice. Yeah. 
Now, I'm not saying that one of those choices is good and the other yeah, one's bad. No, yeah. Yeah. They're both bad choices, maybe, you know, yeah. or they're both good. It's not a value judgment, but you technically still have a choice. You still can choose. So it, it's the fact that you're acknowledging that you have the active power of choice. It's not stimulus response. There's a think in the middle there, you know, yeah, yeah. something happens. Yeah. I get to think before I respond, even though that's really hard sometimes. It is. Yeah. You know, you're driving and somebody cuts you off. You know, it's really easy to lose your religion. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. But, but it is about that, you know, what you started with. It's that taking ownership, isn't it? And yeah. Whilst ever, it. whilst ever it's I had to, actually, it's somebody else's fault if it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's always the consequences of somebody else, isn't it? You know, rather well, than and it's also saying that, you know, that, well, clearly there was nothing I could have done about it. Correct. It's it's yeah. it's literally yeah. the abjection of responsibility. Anyone yeah. would have done the same thing I did. Yeah, you know it, it's that's the subtext of this, right? Everyone yeah. would have done this. It was it there was it was inevitable. The universe made it happen to me, you know, or yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's it's not. But but the truth is, you have a choice. And yeah. so if you acknowledge that, if you change your language, uh, and so I call clients out. If a client says to me, "I had to," I'm like. Mm, what do we really? say instead <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and they, yeah. they reprogram you know yeah. it's, it's and i try to do that for myself too and and if i catch myself saying i had to and yes guess what i say it too yeah. you know i i've empowered the people around me to call me out on it and kind of kick yeah. my rear end on it and go nope you had a choice yeah you're right i did okay yeah. um, great and i think that's you've given us some things there to to actually take action on. I love that because, you know, each one of you listeners can decide to do that right after you finish listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, they're the kind of tips that I like, you know, the tips that we can do something with right now. And today, right after you hang up on this podcast, you can change your vocabulary from I had to, to I chose to, or I've got to, to I choose to. I think that would be great. Take some ownership look at the different perspective in which you've heard Scott uh, walk through there. Now, I would hope that people will choose to find out more about you uh, and connect with you and learn more about stewardship, learn more about the the process of reflect, um, review and revise. I've got that in the wrong order slightly, but also you offered a, a spreadsheet and listeners, mm-hmm. you know, I encourage you to reach out to Scott. How, how do people get in contact with you? How do people connect with you scott well i've actually set up a page just for your listeners over on my website okay. so if you right. go to inspired stewardship.com slash coffee okay great and you will actually find there will be a link up there with some resources uh you can sign up for it'll give you a five-day challenge there's one on time there's one on talent there's one on treasures pick one don't worry if you get to the end of it it'll ask you if you want the other ones too so you're not locking yourself in just pick one (laughs) Uh, and then at the bottom of that page as well there's a link to set up a 30-minute call if anyone wants to jump on a call and either brainstorm a little bit ask some questions or talk about working together uh, i'd be happy to do that and they can just book that call right there on that page as well so that's inspiredstewardship.com coffee okay and one last time, because I know people will probably grab in their pens and might not know where to hit the pause button. Just give us that uh, website address again. Sure. InspiredStewardship.com and then yep. forward slash coffee. Coffee. 
Fantastic. Great. Well, I appreciate that. And that's a great resource. Listeners, if you choose not to use it because somebody said you have to do something else, that uh, you can see where this is going to go for the rest of this evening, can't you, Scott? Uh, then, then shame on you. You know, Scott has given his time. I've given my time. Uh, listeners, you know, you will achieve nothing if you don't take advantage of that and take action and do something with what you've learned today, and also from the resources that you you've been given. And of course, you you can be found Scott on LinkedIn as well. You pretty much can look for either Scott Mater, and my last name is spelled M A D E R E R. Yeah. Uh, or inspired stewardship. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on uh, pretty much everything out there. Uh, right. and, and again, M A D E R E R. Trust me, you don't find a lot of M A D E R E R S out there, so it does narrow it down quite a bit. Yep. You can find yep. me. Usually. Something else that makes you unique, definitely. Yeah, yep. just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last last question then before we we sign off and you know again. I'm asking this question because as, as the time we record this, certainly in the UK, we've just entered another national lockdown just last week. Um, so I'm changed the question from, from where is your next coffee going to be to if you could have a coffee anywhere, any location, Scott, where would that dream location be? So for me, actually, believe it or not, it's this place called the Texas Renaissance Festival. So we have a, a huge festival here in Texas. It's called TRF is what everyone calls it, but it's Texas yep. Renaissance Festival. I've been going to it since the 80s. So since 1987, I've missed two years. Um, wow. And one of them was this year in 2020, yeah, because yeah. My, my wife and I chose uh, not to go uh, with yep. our son and others because of, of the possibility of exposure to COVID. And I've got yep. some health problems where that would be a very bad thing for me. Okay. So yep. we weren't able to go this year. Um, and that's kind of, that's in, in a very real well, I, that's our big family trip every year. That's, you know, my oh, nice. my son went to his first Ren fair when he was four weeks old. No, I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, we, that's just what we do. We're, we're yeah. big. We love Ren fairs. We love going that. And I love going there and they have a really nice coffee shop there. Uh, and I usually wow. get a coffee and then go to one of the shows and watch one of the shows. So for me, going to that coffee shop in the morning getting the coffee, going to the first show of the, of the fair is always, you know, that I, I actually am kind of choking up a little bit because it's honestly, yeah. a, it's a huge place to me and a huge part of our, our family adventure and what yeah. we do every year. And so not getting to go this year was pretty rough. Yeah. I know some of the listeners to this and I've got a, a couple of contacts and a couple of people who I know are going to be in the audience who are in Texas. Uh, I'm not quite sure where's South Texas, Texas and uh, Houston and the geographics of that. But I'm sure if anybody is in that area and wants to check that out next year or this year as it is in 2021, as we record this, then that would be worth doing. And thanks for sharing that. And, that, and that's, it's, it's the reasons behind it. Sometimes it's, you know, the, the memories of the mountains, people liking the beach, or sometimes it's the story behind it, isn't it? That uh, mm -hmm. makes it that dream place. Yeah. Uh, interesting the guy that was on the podcast recording just before this one um his dream location wasn't about the location it was about who was going to be there mm. and it was the place where he knew that these three people would be together and his dream location was about the people not about the location right yeah. and the fact that they were there, well, you know. and, and like for me it's it's it is about the location but it's not about the location it's about what that location means correct to me, you know? correct yeah. yeah and thanks for sharing that um 
listeners you've heard some great things you've got some great resources here uh scott thank you very much for taking part it's been an absolute pleasure listeners of course this is part of my mission to help businesses and coaches around the globe become more aware of the possibilities, be better educated. And we've had both of those today from Scott. And of course, we've talked about coffee too. And I think, you know, it's, it's certainly encouraged me to go back to perhaps some of the, the, the grinding of the beans to get that smell and that aroma and some great business lessons as well. Um, listeners look forward to having you um, on the next podcast and Scott, thank you very much for taking part. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. It's been an honor to be here. I hope some of that was helpful to your listeners and I look forward to hearing from them if they've got any additional questions or just need to jump on a call and and talk it out. Great. Thanks very much. Bye for now.